What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. And I'm going to dive right into this episode because there's a lot to cover and it's a very important topic. But at the outset, I want to make something very, very clear. Um, this is a this is an issue that gets very heated very quickly, and a lot of times emotions rise on um, on all sides. And here's here's what we need to here's what we need to understand. People are not the enemy of the church. The forces of evil in the spiritual realm, right? Demons, um, Satan, right? This is our enemy. And one trick of the enemy is to get us focused on the attacks of people. I mean, people are the instrument that he will use, absolutely. Um, so, you know, back in the day, it wasn't, you know, a, a demon per se that was uh, throwing a Christian into the Roman Colosseum to have them killed by a lion. It was an actual Roman. It was a person grabbing them, throwing them in. But those people are not the enemy. Those people are just being used by the enemy. Um, and so, once again, this is one of those things where the church needs to have a proper focus. We should work with and love people in the LGBT community because so many of them are, they are bound, they are distraught, they can't even put their finger on it, and the more society tells them, quit asking questions, you're okay, you're, you're great, you're awesome, the more confused they can be, why do I feel this way, and yet everybody's telling me it's all good. We need to be there as a light showing love and showing them we are here to help them in their need, to help them become what Christ wants them to be. Now, there are, there are organizations that devote themselves to this. Uh, one of those organizations um, is called Changed. Changed. And during the course of this, uh, this broadcast, of this episode here, um, we are going to play a couple of, of testimonies. The testimonies are from real people, real lives, and I'll say real change. Uh, their website is changedmovement.com, um, where they believe that change is possible. And these are these are people that have come out of the LGBT community, um, very powerful testimonies, and they are not the only organization. It's not a handful of three or four people. Um, this is all over the place. This is all over the place, and you just don't hear this a lot because, as we'll see in a few minutes, the narrative is to keep people thinking, nope, everybody is exactly the same and they're thinking about this, and that is not true. But during this, we are going to play some of these testimonies, and that's what I want to jump into right now before we get too into this. Listen to this testimony of someone who was through the power of the cross, changed. I am a former lesbian. I'm very passionate about this topic uh, because I really embraced that life. I won't talk about how or why I went into that lifestyle, but I fully embraced it and I was confident in who I was and I sought it out and I was a champion for the LGBT and I really even like to um, just be out there and promote it. So I had fully believed in in this lie that gets perpetuated that people don't change, they can't change, and if you try to change them, it's detrimental to their health. 
And I just want to say that's a lie. I almost missed out on some of the best and most precious moments of my life. I wasn't going to get to get married. I wasn't going to meet my husband. I wasn't going to get to have my own children. This is not something that my mind was even open to. I didn't know that it was a possibility for me. And I stand before you now a changed woman. I don't struggle with same-sex attraction. It's almost like it never was for me. And so I just, I, I would like for that lie to stop being perpetuated. It's just simply not true. People can and do change if they want. And we need to be allowed as free Americans to seek that out. Nobody has the right to tell you, you can't be what you want to be. And I did want change. And through the power of God, the creator of heaven and earth, this was able to happen. Amen. These days were able to happen, these moments. And I'm a happy woman. I don't suffer depression. I don't suffer with anxiety. I don't drink myself into stupors like I used to have to. Some of you may be aware that the 28th of June, just a couple of days ago, uh, marks the anniversary of what is referred to as the Stonewall Riots or maybe Stonewall Rebellion, um, which is where there was uh, a, a violent kind of uprising amongst the LGBT community uh, in response to a, a police raid. This police raid was, uh, I think it was called the Stonewall Inn in uh, Greenwich Village in New York. And uh, the way it's often portrayed is that the, the bigot police were targeting those uh, in the LGBT community, and they just they, they came into this establishment, they got violent, and um, the LGBT folks just had enough. Enough is enough is enough. And so they came back with their own uh, kind of uprising, and this sparked the sort of the, the, the gay liberation uh, movement. Now, there's something that we, that we need to understand, I think, about this whole scenario. Um, one is that it is a very, um, a very massive landmark uh, time in the history of the United States. Uh, so much so that uh, I know uh, Barack Obama actually came out and uh, there was a lot of talk around the, you know, making that place a, a monument to, um, you know, to, to the, the whole gay pride. And, of course, this month is Pride Month, June. I don't know when it was actually decided that June would be Pride Month. I didn't really research or anything going into this because so many people just know that it's, <laughs> it's Pride Month. Um, and I, wanna, I do want to talk about pride. I want to talk about something that is, that is worth taking pride in. Uh, I want to talk in this episode about some things in which we absolutely should take pride. Um, but uh, it was in 1969 that the, the uprising sort of got underway. And um, I have a quote here. Obama wrote uh, in, in a proclamation. This is from the Daily Wire. Uh, from this place and time, building on the work of many before, the nation started the march 
not yet finished, towards securing equality and respect for LGBT people. Now, we know that, um, that much of society ha- has pushed uh, the, the LGBT sort of agenda over the last couple of decades very strongly, and that even, even very, you know, I'll, I'd say powerful, important political figures such as Obama, um, you know, he changed his stance. At one time, he was very, you know, for traditional marriage and then decided he wasn't for traditional marriage. And I'm not, that's not a knock uh, st- strictly on him. This is a uh, sort of a testament to how strong the, the movement is in this direction. Now, getting back to the Stonewall riots, let there's a few things that <clears throat> we need to take into consideration. One is that the police, according to the deputy inspector, Deputy Inspector Pine, um, who reportedly said, we weren't concerned about the gays. We were concerned about the mafia. What, what is he talking about? Well... It's a known thing that the that the Stonewall Inn was a mafia-owned and run establishment. That the mafia uh, was running this because, again, this was kind of a back in the day, right? There was a lot of money to be made for an establishment for L- the LGBT community because it wasn't an open, obvious, you know, it wasn't hip and cool to be LGBT like it is today. Um, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, of course, but. Again, it's almost like a hip thing. Everybody, you know, is taking pride. I and mean, people that are, you know, not don't have a single bone in their body, uh, you know, as a, as it comes to homosexuality, are wearing shirts about, you know, being being proud. What are you proud for? What are you, you're not even gay. <laughs> like, um, but I guess you know, again, proud that we don't hate people. Well, I can get behind not hating people. Praise praise God. Um, but he, here we go. Right. It's a it's a mob owned establishment um, because there was money to be made by cornering the market and having an establishment that caters to the LGBT community when this was not a widely accepted thing. There were numerous fire and safety problems and and, and issues with this establishment, right? Kind of like a um, again a any any kind of nefarious under the table illegal operation they don't usually make sure that everything is completely up to par up to code they don't need to right (laughs) who's going to report them you i mean you are here in this illegal establishment so you reporting it means you were here um but they had numerous fire and safety problems they were operating without the required liquor license and they were allegedly running a blackmail ring out of the out of that that bar or that establishment so the cops were there for a raid, but it wasn't a raid because they heard there were some gay people here. It was a raid on this establishment run by the mob, okay? But what happened is it got turned into, well, these people were just there because there were folks there that were gay. And again, we see there's a very very famous quote from Rom Emanuel back in the day. You can go look it up on YouTube, I'm sure. Uh, never let a crisis go to waste. 
And I think he was trying again. I think he was trying to spin it in a way like, well, but we, you know, don't let a crisis go to waste. This is an opportunity to you know affect positive change. But he he did say, right, that when a crisis comes, that's an opportunity. That is an opportunity. Now today in today's society, we are having incredible things happening. And when I say incredible, I don't mean incredible good. I mean they make you incredulous. Like what in the world is going on with our society? What in the world is going on with sanity? Right, defund the police so that when you're in trouble and call 911, nobody's coming to help you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but people have taken, you know, the entire tragic, horrible situation that happened to George Floyd, and they've used it as an excuse to hate on cops, to tear down monuments, to loot, to burn. Uh, you've got, you know, Black Lives Matter. Uh, leaders saying burn the whole thing down. Now, of course, they're careful sometimes with their wording so that they if, if people burn a legitimate establishment down, they come back and say, well, you said burn it all down. Well, I, I, I just meant the system. I didn't really mean an actual fire. But people are actually setting actual fires. Um, people are actually going into stores and threatening workers there and causing disturbances, and it's supposed to be a-okay. And what's the point? I mean, do people even remember George Floyd at this point? A lot of these folks have no idea who George Floyd even is. They're just part of this onslaught, right? Ripping down monuments of Christopher Columbus. Uh, Christopher Columbus was white? Yeah. What? What? I, you know, again, study, study a little bit of history, folks. I, it, it's, it's painful. It's painful. But the point is, it doesn't matter whether it's truly about George Floyd, what matters is this is an opportunity to get our agenda done, to get to, to move something forward. What's that that we're trying to move forward? Well, actually, they're not people aren't really I don't know. What is it? What is it that you're saying? Defund the police? I mean, is that really a thing? Come on. You don't want to have a police force? That's that's a little ridiculous. Um, so is it really about that? Well, we can certainly talk until the cows come home about that. Um, but the issue is, once again, the whole Stonewall riot thing, it was pushing an agenda. It wasn't so much about this one, this one issue or this one situation. And this is not in a corner of the desert somewhere. This is very mainstream, main line in our lives and culture. Don't believe me? Here we go. Joe Biden. Joe Biden said these words. The transgender issue is the civil rights issue of our time. Okay. Now, is that an exact quote? You can go check it. I, some of the words may be a little off. Okay. But but he, what did he say? I've got a couple of articles, one from HuffPost, the other one from the, uh, uh, from Independent UK. Um, Joe Biden did identify transgender issues as the civil rights issue of our time. Really, the big thing of our time is that people with gender dysphoria, as notable uh, doctors, psychiatrists, right, have, have d termed this thing, right? I use the example of something like 
anorexia, right? Where, where what you believe on the inside, what you feel, what you truly believe in yourself is actually not true. Someone is very thin. In fact, they are getting unhealthy in how skinny they are, but they think they need to lose weight. They think they're fat. They think they're obese. They think, and they literally will kill themselves through things like anorexia or um, other related, uh, bulimia is another one, right? Other related where the physical reality does not match what they feel or believe mentally. So it is a mental disorder. And we, sh- we don't celebrate them. We don't celebrate them. We, we try to help them. We love them and we try to help them. Um, so I, we should do the same thing with people that are transgender, right? Biologically, you're clearly one gender and you feel like you're another. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about this. Let's help you because the physical reality is this. But no, Joe Biden thinks that, no, transgender is the civil rights issue of our time. Pete uh, Buttigieg, right? He was one of the guys on the campaign trail. Uh, during one of his rallies, right, pulls a, pulls a little nine-year-old boy up on stage who, you know, at, basically asks him, you know, for, to help with the courage of coming out as gay. Why is a nine-year-old worried about being gay? They're nine. Uh, they're nine. Do they even need to be thinking about their sexual orientation at, at, at six, seven, eight, nine years old? I mean, what kind of world do we live in? Well, we all know what kind of world we live in. We live in the kind of world where a political candidate uses a nine-year-old boy's sexuality to try and get popularity and votes. What a sick world we live in. The Supreme Court, right? In the news, of course, we know they, they tore down the traditional marriage um, standing, which we'll talk about later. But once you do that, I mean, now anything's open. I mean, if I want to marry my car, if three guys want to get married to four ladies and, you know, kind of somebody wants to marry their pet, um, you know, why not? Right? Why not? No, that's crazy. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've got, you'll see how crazy some of this stuff is, right? I want to marry some five-year-old little boy that I'm, I'm in love with over here. What? What kind of sick craziness is that? That would never happen. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, recently in the news again, right, uh, they they added, you know, basically to Title VII, you know, a, pr- a protected work class um, for people that are, you know, ha- are, that are homosexual, that have a sexual, you know, based on sexual orientation. Well, what does that mean? I mean, what, is that, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean, now that they're going to have to flesh this out, I'm sure, but I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean you have a bunch of young, young ladies in your establishment and you want somebody working with them and you want to hire a woman to work with them because you don't want somebody who might be sexually attracted to these young ladies, right? Hello, Boy Scouts. Hello, Girl Scouts, right? I'm looking at you. Right. You, you don't really want that's what you don't want. That's it. That's what you're trying to avoid. And then someone. Someone who is of the same gender. So you want to hire a woman to work with these young ladies. But then you find out this woman is actually homosexual and could be attracted to these young ladies. And you say, no, I'm sorry. 
you know, we're going to have to let you go, knowing this about you, I mean, that was kind of the point. We don't want to hire some dude to come in here and be doing, you know, sleepovers with these young ladies, right? We've got parents entrusting us, and no, we don't want to have that. Does that mean now you can be sued? I sh- man, I sure hope not. Um, this isn't by accident, folks. This isn't by accident. There is a, a three-pronged approach that many activists use, and... Uh, there is a book that was written, I think, ni- about 1989, called After the Ball uh, by Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen. Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen. Marshall Kirk is a, a writer and researcher of neuropsychiatry. Okay? Neuropsychiatry in the brain, psychologically understanding, right, how people, what makes people tick, how they work how to influence them, right? Um, And Hunter Madsen, a Harvard-trained, I believe he was actually like summa cum laude or something, like, like, you know, made very good grades. Um, He was a social scientist, basically, right? Social science. Again, right? Behavior, fashioning, forming society. These two guys get together and they write a book. The name of the book is After the Ball. Okay. The three-pronged approach that they suggest is, number one, desensitization, number two, jamming, and number three, conversion. What is the point of the book? The point of the book is to get the public to accept homosexuality, to accept the gay agenda. Okay. Now, obviously, I'm using the word gay in the modern sense, not in the old-school English sense of I'm gay, meaning I'm just happy. <laughs> right, obviously. Um, here's a quote from the book on the first prong, desensitization. We can extract the following principle for our campaign to desensitize straights to gays and gayness. Inundate them in a continuous flood of gay-related advertising presented in the least offensive fashion possible. If straights can't shut off the shower, they may at least eventually get used to being wet. What are they saying? Well, they are saying that we just need to inundate the public. Get it in front of them. Get it in front of them. Try not to be offensive, right? Make, make this person the hero of the story. Make this person pitiable. Make this person someone that you really like. You, you, I mean, you are starting to love right this, this character on this TV show. I want you to picture this. And then uh, one season in, after you've already, you like this person, they rock, you, you know, they, they've, they've done a great job of making this person just the, you know, the epitome of somebody that you want to, I mean, you want this person to, this man to, to marry your daughter because, I mean, they just, they, they're awesome, amazing person, the hero of the story. And then in season two, they come out as gay. Or six or seven episodes in, something happens and it's like, oh, well, this person's actually a homosexual, right? Once they've baited you, right? And it's not offensive because you're actually liking this person, right? And the word inundate, right, is self 
evident. But then they say, with a continuous flood. That's what inundate means. This is their recommendation. What is their goal? To desensitize straight people so that at least you you may not be pro-gay, but you're at least just desensitized to it. The second thing, um, second prong, jamming, is probably easier um, to explain with a, with an example, right? Um, on one hand, I already mentioned it, right? You 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 build up a hero, you build up a person, and they're pro gay. And then on the other side, you you have this villain, this person that's clearly like somebody you don't want to emulate, and of course they are the anti gay bigot. Um, you you build somebody up in a in a show, a book, a TV, you know show a movie whatever it might be and um and they are just a horrible person right just horrible nobody wants to be like this person you're, you're just hoping oh man this guy gonna get hit by a car anytime soon in this movie you know they hate everybody they're anti-jew they hate women they and then and then they also are very anti-gay so associating that if you're if you're not so sure about this whole homosexual thing well you're also like this person over here. And the, what jamming does, right, is jam someone's psyche, their psychological response, their mental response, so that they eventually break down, right? And the hope is to, to convert them, but even if they don't, the hope is they'll at least shut up. Here's a couple um, of things from the, from the book, right? It says, uh, th- this is a quote, while sheer indifference is itself vastly preferable to hatred and threats we would like to do better than that we turn next to more difficult but also more vigorous and rewarding tactics so they're saying that jamming making people feel ashamed that they might not agree with the gay agenda they might not agree with homosexuality they actually say that that is more rewarding it's more rewarding to do that um, and they say, again, that, that yeah, the indifference is fine, meaning you just don't care one, one way or the other. Indifference is fine. They'll take that. Um, but what they'd really like to do is get people to completely just either shut up or or jump on the bandwagon. Right? They explain that jamming basically has two effects. It can actually get people to turn away from, from feeling homosexuality is wrong, right? Enough of this jamming, you're, you're just like Hitler if you have questions about this. You're, you're just like uh, Mao or Stalin. You're evil. You're vile. You're, you're not just indifferent. You're wicked. Um, if you dare to have a thought other than what we're trying to push. And eventually, you know, it, it can get people to turn, especially over a generation. You may not get that first generation, but that next generation. And if, if they can't go that far, then at least get people to shut up. They don't voice their opinion. They don't voice their concerns. They don't voice their legitimate, hey, wait a minute here. Nope, you just either you're quiet or you're pro we want to shut up the opposition. Now, I want you to step back and think, is this happening in our society? Do we see Hollywood? Do we see the sports industry? Do we see the media? Do we see institutions, large corporations, government? Do we see this happening? Do we see them pushing, 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 trying to desensitize us, jamming us with 
you know, if you're pro, you are you are awesome. You are a hero. If you're not, you're a bigot. You are evil, wicked, vile. Not you have a differing opinion. No, you are wicked and vile, and you should be destroyed and silenced. You make the decision. You look at it. In fact, next time you're at the break in the break room, if you think, you know, no, that's all fake, try voicing some opposition and see what happens. Um, yeah, try getting on Facebook and just, you know, maybe anonymously so you don't destroy your Facebook uh, friends if you don't want to. <laughs> Get on a chat room or go somewhere. Just say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not so sure about this. Um, see what happens, okay? The last thing is conversion. Here's what they say about conversion, converting people completely. It isn't enough that anti-gay bigots, see, even the language in the book, right? If you're anti-gay, you're a bigot. Not you have legitimate concerns, there's a legitimate argument to be made that mm, this might be not something that we want to be doing. Uh, no, you're just a bigot. Um, it isn't enough that anti-gay bigots should become confused about us or even indifferent to us. We are safest in the long run if we can actually make them like us. Conversion aims at just this, right? So the again, indifference isn't even good enough, meaning people legitimately don't care. They don't want you to not care. They want you to be pro. They want you to be for, right? And confused? Absolutely not, no. Next quote. We mean conversion of the average American's emotions, mind, and will through a planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed to the nation via, uh, 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 drum roll, please, the media. Folks, this is in 1989. These are two very well-educated, right, Harvard, okay, people writing a book, basically laying out how this needs to happen. Now, 1989, okay, three decades. Did they do it? Did it work? Did their, their words, not mine, that did their planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed to the nation via the media. Did that work? Look at where we are. Look at where we are. They are psychologically attacking you and me intentionally, knowing that's what they're doing. That, that is not like, a oh, it just turned out that way. It is a planned thing. A planned thing. A planned thing. I'm, well, I'm a former transsexual, drag queen, and prostitute. I lived a life of much gender confusion, much um, abuse verbally, physically, sexually by my father. Over the years, I had had probably 50,000 sexual partners and um, because I was a sex worker. And I hated myself. I hated the fact that I was a man. I never knew how to accept myself or truly love myself. And then um, about six years ago, someone invited me to church. God began to change my life, began to change my heart, and began to change my sexual identity, my gender confusion, and I began to heal from all of those things. Change is possible Amen. because if God can change me, He can change anybody. Yes. Yes. Don't you just love that? If God can change me, 
He can change anybody. You listen to these lives so far that we've listened to, right, that we've heard their stories. People that are that are hurt, broken, drinking themselves into a stupor just to get through, right? This isn't in an affirming, celebrate, you know, uh, all of this type of society. And it doesn't matter, I'm just going to say, it doesn't matter how much you um, celebrate sin or how much you try to tell people everything's okay. Internally, these folks knew it was not okay. There are things that's or something up. And we are not in the society that people try to paint now where, you know, people are, if you come out as gay, you might as well just be signing your death warrant. People still, I mean, people try to portray it that way. But, I mean, that's total, that is a total lie. Um, again, we are in the middle of June, and almost every big company, almost every, you know, uh, person in government. I mean, it's all over like pride, 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 pride. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that junk. It's not true. It's a false narrative. Dare I say it's part of a psychological attack. So one of the main things that <clears throat> that we will hear is that right, I was born this way. Okay. Before we get into any of the scripture, uh, I want to address some things. I was born this way. I was born this way. And therefore, I can't change, and therefore, you have to accept it. Well, first, just because someone feels like they're born this way doesn't make it so. There, there isn't any empirical scientific evidence that proves People are born with a specific uh, sexual proclivity. Now, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But but the point before we go into the conversation is let's not all let's not just give that away as fact. I feel this way, and therefore that's the fact. I'm sorry, that doesn't that's not how it works. You have facts and you have feelings, and if they are in conflict, I'm sorry, facts win. <laughs> I mean, if tomorrow I feel like I'm the president of the United States, there's fact and there's feeling, and that's just the way it is. But before we get into um, in, into any of the, in, in, again, the scriptures and stuff, I want to go through this. What if people were born that way? Let's do a what if. Well, number one, we can't use the 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 anecdotal evidence where people say, well, see, once I came out, once I told people there was this release and there I felt freedom and all this stuff. Well, of course, if, if you come out as having robbed a bank, there's going to be an, an initial release because of the confession. This is why conf one of the reasons confession is so strong. There's actually an urge in many people to confess wrongdoing. And uh, this plays into the, you know, into the hands of, say, the police officer who is trying to get someone to confess to a crime. I'm not saying, again, a homosexual is the same as a bank robber. I'm making the point that true freedom isn't just about, well, there was this, like, release or relief. True freedom does not come by us giving in to our every whim, feeling, or desire, okay? Therein lies the way of madness. If we were to give in to every feeling, no matter how true it was, right, we are beings that 
have the capacity to say no to a whim or a feeling or a desire. Okay. And um, there, there's acceptance, right, versus action. You could even be born with a proclivity toward same-sex attraction, but not act on it, right? And once we get to the scriptures, we'll definitely see that it's the, it's the act that is a sin, not you're struggling with it, you're wrestling with it, or whatever, right? So you can have same-sex attraction, and some people who, who turn to Christianity don't have miraculous deliverance and start having attraction toward people of the opposite sex. They, some, some of them say, that hasn't happened for me. I know it does. I know it can, but it hasn't. But I still am just going to wrestle with this person that I am, right? Because what if I'm born with a proclivity toward anger? Can I just act out my anger? What, what if it's not hurting anyone? What if I, right? Well, I mean, what if I just want to smash my fist through the computer at work? I didn't punch any person, okay? Well, that's damaging property. Okay, so I'm allowed to just walk around with a chip on my shoulder and be angry all the time. But it doesn't matter, because what if I'm born with the proclivity to damage property? Shouldn't I be able to? Right? I, I, I'm... I am, what, what about pornography? Should we just glorify that? That's all, all, all forms, all of it, just A-okay, because somebody might be born with. What about uh, something like adultery? What about something, I mean, where do we draw the line where we say, well, I mean, if you feel like you're born this way, we're still going to say no to you, but this person feels like they're born this way, and we, we're going to let them. You, you can't do that. It's, that's an impossible argument. It's, a, it's an impossible position. So again, are people born this way? There's zero evidence of that. But even if they are, right, even if they are, people are born with proclivities to steal, with proclivities to be angry. With uh, Some are born with a predisposition toward alcohol or drugs, right? You've heard the term crack baby before. That's a legitimate, real thing. Should we celebrate or should we, should we lovingly liberate such people. Uh, now, this is one of the arguments that people on the side of pederasty and pedophilia use. We're born this way, right? We are born this way, right? And, and pederasty is just the, the fancy name um, for, you know, men that like boys. And there is a movement of people. There are national organizations and um, I, I, worldwide organizations that are people who come together and are trying to say, uh, we, we are not evil, vile, wicked. Um, we just like people that are way younger than us. You don't believe me? There's a entity in the United States called NAMBLA, and, and there's more. But, I mean, again, this is just kind of one that's out there, all right? North American Man-Boy Love Association, NAMBLA, all right? Uh, they are, according to a little, little thing on Wikipedia, it's a pedophilia and pederasty advocacy organization in the U.S. It works to abolish age-of-consent laws, okay, which criminalize adults' sexual involvement with minors. 
and campaigns for the release of men who've been jailed for sexual contact with minors that did not involve what it considers coercion. Hmm. This is from the NAMBLA website. The North American Manboy Love Association, NAMBLA, was formed in 1978. It was inspired by the success of a campaign based in Boston's gay community. So this had its roots and origins in the LGBT community. And there's footage and stuff that I've seen. You can probably find it, too. It's not, you know, it's not impossible to get a hold of YouTube, things like that. But NAMBLA marches, right, with the LGBT community. Now, I don't know how affiliated they are because people came along like in 1989 and they said things like we need to we need to put the LGBT community in the best positive light and trying to push that along with pedophilia right probably not good to try and fight on both of those fronts and so they've probably tried to separate you know from from these kinds of things but if you notice Every new, like, gender slash, you know, slash sexual orientation thing that comes out, they tend to just be adding, adding, adding letters to the LGBT, right? I mean, you've got, I think it's LGBTQ, and recently when I was reading some stuff, there was an I and an A and then a plus sign added to that. So, again, there's no doubt in my mind that even, now not all homosexuals are going to go, yeah, pedophilia is totally cool. But eventually, the the massive movement will probably just put in, you know, a P in there, right? The LGBTQIAP plus, and the P will be for pedophilia. Um, and NAMBLA says on their website, NAMBLA is strongly opposed to age of consent laws and all other restrictions which deny men and boys the full enjoyment of their bodies and control over their own lives. Age of consent laws, meaning there's not an age of consent. So a 39-year-old dude, right, with a 4-year-old boy is okay because the boy consented. There was no coercion. Are you serious? Oh, a 7-year-old boy, a a 9-year-old girl. What? What in the world are you talking about? Okay, but that's what they want to do. And what language do you think they're going to use? Well, they use, we're born this way. Uh, how can you stop love? Love wins. It's about, they, they love each other, right? This, this uh, you know, six-year-old boy and 42-year-old woman, they love each other. What? This six-year-old boy doesn't have the capacity. Oh, you, you bigot, you bigot, you scum, you evil, vile, wicked person. That's, that's, folks, that's how it was done from their website. We call for fundamental reform of the laws regarding relations between youths and adults. Today, many thousands of men and boys are unjustly ground into the dysfunctional criminal justice system. Blindly, this system condemns consensual, loving relationships between younger and older people. I'm sorry, a five-year-old little girl or boy... Uh, does not have the capacity to enter into a loving, consensual relationship with somebody that's in their 20s. Okay? 
Um, here's what I propose. That people are born in sin. And the fact that someone might be born or feel they're born a, you know, with a tendency toward pederasty, pornography, adultery, homosexuality, none of this, none of this changes the fact that people are born in sin. And, and I'm not saying, again, that they're born gay. That is not scientifically proven. But even if they were, the issue is it wouldn't matter. Okay? Now, once again, be- just before we go into the, go into the, um, uh, the scriptures, I want, to, I want to come at this from a different angle. Okay? The natural, in the natural, okay, in the natural, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of sexual activity? Right? It it is for passing on your genes. It is for raising up the next generation. Okay? So, if there were no God, if God did not exist, there was no Bible, there was no morality, there even in a totally atheist system, this is still unnatural. It, it's a defect because you can't procreate with someone of the same sex, right? So, again, right, this is not natural. Now, you might say, oh, well, what do you mean it's not natural? Well, there are things that are natural, right? Disease is natural, but it's not necessarily something that we want to be promoting and, yay, yay, you know, oh, yeah, sure, you know, cancer is great. It's all natural. No, <laughs> just because it occurs in nature. Does this occur in nature? Yes, but it is a defect, right? A disease is a, is a defect. Um, the, the example I gave before, you know, a, a crack baby, which I think the what is the what is the 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 medical term for that neonatal abstinence syndrome? Um, they the the syndrome itself right occurs quote unquote naturally. It's a baby that's born and born with some kind of drug dependency or something, right? And sometimes they, the babies even die because of this. It's so severe. Right. So, again, right, bacteria and viruses, they're natural, but I mean, we, we shouldn't celebrate them and propagate them and want them to be. Yeah, man, this is the standard. OK, if every person became homosexual in 150 years, there'd be no people. OK. So we need to understand, even without the scriptures, without morality as, as an argument, this is not a natural state, okay? Um, now you may you may disagree. I'd lo- I mean, let's let's. I'd love to have the conversation, but um, conversation is is good. It's healthy. But but again, right? People will argue things like, well, we see you know we see homosexuality in in nature, right? There's there's all these animals and things like that 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 are out there that that have you know this kind of behavior. That that that's that's complete nonsense, okay? I'm sorry. A 
We are not animals, first of all. Animals do all kinds um, of things that we wouldn't want to, you know, we wouldn't want to emulate. Um, you know, some animals vomit during mating. They kill their mates. They, they, they eat their young. Um, you know, we, we, we just don't, you know, we don't want to, well, we're just like animals. But even if we were, okay, there's no evidence that animals are homosexual. They might do things that you could say, oh, look, right there, that's... But um, there's probably other reasons why they might be doing something, right? I'm pretty sure uh, animals are not, you know, trying to be interspecies when they, you know, behave in certain ways or things. I mean, they, they, again, they're animals, okay? We are not. We are not like dogs uh, or, you know, walruses or whatever. Um, now, now... Here is another um, another aspect, and that is from the scriptures. There's a there's a, a good book on this topic. Can you be gay and Christian? By Michael Brown, and he you know again very loving um, portrayal, very very true, very right to the point. But he is not one of these people that you get the sense that he's just angry or whatever. Um, but he's got a book, and I think he has another book called um, A Queer Thing Happened to America, I think is, is the name of the book. But this one, um, he in his book, he he gives the account of Chris uh, Vallotton, or is it Vallotton? Um, and Chris actually shares uh, the story that when he was young, right, his, his father was very kind of out of the picture, and that he um, he felt an attraction toward men, not not in a like a homosexual way, but just wanted their affirmation, you know, wanted to be around them, wanted the, their input. Want, and, and he makes the point that had he grown up in a society that looked at that and said, oh, well, you must be gay then, that he, he might have been convinced that, that oh, that, that's why. That's what it is. When really it was the absence of a father. You know, he was starving for affection, um, kind of that male affection. And then um, he, this uh, Chris, uh, is a is a pastor, and says this: the amount of people who are sexually attracted to little children and even babies would probably shock most of the population. Others are compelled to rape. The idea of sexually forcing themselves on somebody who resists them literally plagues some people. Now, this is born out of, again, he's giving testimony of being in counseling with people, of talking with people, of working with people. Um, and this, these are the types of people, these are people he's come across. Should we say, oh, they're born that way, they can't help it? Of course not. Of course not. Um, the, the issue is that we need to get back to, we need to get back to understanding the, the scriptures, okay? Understanding what God's plan is. Now, I already, if you don't believe in the scriptures, right, I've already given you a very good, um, argument, uh, for the natural, okay, just the natural. But 
one more thing before we dive into the um, the different verses in the Bible, and that is this idea that it's not, it, it, you know, it's not hurting anybody. You know, we're just doing our thing over here. Nobody's getting hurt. Why, you know, why why cause an issue? Why why be against it? You know, whatever. Again, very beautifully mastered tactic of psychological warfare, um, giving that again a kind of a victim view of this thing, making people, oh, you know, just be indifferent toward it and just just don't say anything, right? Um, before we get into that, I want to give uh, another um, minute or two here for you to hear another testimony of someone, a, a wonderful person just coming out of, of this lifestyle by the power of the cross. Let's listen. For a long time, I was very broken and hurt. I found out that I was HIV positive because I was promiscuous. My generation would say a hoe. <laughs> and while I was searching for men and sleeping around a lot, I didn't realize that there was a man looking for me. His name is Jesus. I was able to find a church where they loved me. And I, uh, they taught me that my identity was not my behavior. My identity was not who I thought it was, but it was a child of God. So I stand here to say that I was a former homosexual, a former hoe, and now I am a child of God. So, listen again, these testimonies of what God can do, the pain, the hurt, the from people that are being affirmed, they're, they're in the life, they're, and yet there's something missing. And this is the case for any and all people who give into and live a life of sin. Now, not hurting anyone. Not hurting anyone, right? This is something we hear. And so my question would be, how how are you defining not hurting anyone? We've just listened to a few testimonies. Most testimonies talk about this, right? Where people have psychological issues and 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 you know, they're drinking themselves, you know, into stupors and so just to go through another day, even in an affirming society. Um, so how do you define hurting, right? They are hurting themselves and sometimes their partners by living this lifestyle. Now, there, there's a lot of information that, uh, there's a lot of information that people can find. You can go look stuff up, say like the CDC website, um, and different things, but let me just give you some, some stats. Okay. Uh, and some of these are probably updated. You can, you know, get them updated numbers or whatever. But um, a few years ago, 2014, okay, the statistics were gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men accounted for 83%, per- 83% of primary and secondary syphilis cases, okay, where the sex of the partner was known in the U.S., 83%, but nobody's getting hurt, right? Could it be that, like I said, naturally, it it's just not meant to be this way? Is it that difficult to see that men are made for ladies and ladies are made for men? I mean, is, is that difficult to see? Even if you don't believe in God, is it difficult to figure that out? Is that tough? I mean, how terrible at putting puzzles together are you? I mean, this is this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy, but it's because... People don't want to see, right? People are willingly 
ignorant and blind to these things. Um, so, gay, bisexual, and other men, okay, 17 times more likely to get certain types of cancer than heterosexual men. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, and the, again, these are not from, you know, some right wing. No, this is from the CDC. The CDC. Members of the LGBT community are at increased risk for a number of health threats when compared to their heterosexual peers. This is from the CDC. Okay. HPV, men who receive, right, certain types of activity in a homosexual relationship are more likely to get HPV and develop cancer. So, again, things like cancer, HPV, syphilis. All right? Now, this doesn't touch on the psychological or the mental issues, which we've we've heard in some of these testimonies, but they weren't they weren't given, you know, scientific facts. They were just explaining their their personal testimony. But as it turns out, uh, this is actually uh, recorded also in the book I mentioned um, by, by Dr. Brown, Can You Be Gay and Christian? But uh, Dr. Paul McHugh, right, nationally renowned, he was a psychology, uh, I think, professor, leader of Johns Hopkins University Medical Center, right? According to what they did, okay, they stopped performing sex change surgeries under his guidance, under his leadership. Why? Because they found that a lot of the mental issues, the psychological issues that people had, and they claimed it was because, you know, again, they weren't, they weren't uh, living in the right body or they, they had these, these tendencies and they needed to fulfill them and blah, blah, blah. Um, they found out that afterwards, these people had continued severe mental issues. They had it, mental issues before, and the, the sex change surgery didn't do anything. Okay, so, so turning them into something else didn't do away with the mental, psychological issues. Okay? And there are documented, again, right, testimonies and cases of increased depression, anxiety, suicide, and what the psychological attack would have you believe is that the suicide is because they're not affirmed. The suicide is because we don't accept them. That is baloney. Can some be? Probably. But as a society, there, there's just not an argument for that anymore. Okay? And yet, people are tormented. And yet, people are bound. Why is that the case? Why is that the case. Well, now we definitely are going to dive into some scripture, and before we do, let's listen to yet another voice, yet another testimony of the power of Jesus Christ to rescue, to save, to set free. I was often suicidal or out of control. I came out during my early 20s and found solace and comfort in the LGBTQ community. They were my family. I was pursuing the path of an ordained pastor in the LGBT affirming church movement when I began questioning my faith. That long journey led me ultimately to question my sexuality as a lesbian. 
Over time, as my faith brought deeper emotional health, I also experienced an unexpected change in my sexual desires. Today, I've been married to my husband for 14 years. I no longer experience same-sex desires and I no longer have symptoms of bipolar disorder. I've seen the restoration I have in, the, in countless lives of other Christians. Our faith compels us to share what we have received. Yeah. We simply want to offer vision to those who feel conflict in their sexual orientation, but also to ask that America recognize there are multiple options for people who experience LGBTQ. People deserve the right to choose their own path and follow their religious convictions, especially in matters of their sexuality. Now, we're going to run through the scriptures, and we can certainly have more on this conversation. Uh, podcast at breadbreakers.com. Definitely email us, podcast at breadbreakers.com. If you'd like to discuss, have follow-up questions, or would like more on this, otherwise I'm going to presume that people will you know, see some scriptures and realize, wow, the Bible is right, real, serious. Um, but there are many people who, as in the last testimony, try to have both, try to have Jesus and Christianity and the Bible, but also say that the Bible affirms and is okay with homosexuality, which just doesn't make any sense. When you read the Scriptures, you find that the Scriptures presuppose heterosexuality all throughout. I mean, it... it, it Honor your father and mother, right? There's so much husband-wife language all over the Bible. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it, it's it's presupposed. So if you kind of just automatically put that as a thing, you, you're not going to constantly address it, right? It's just presupposed. Um, You know, pick up any book, right? The author presupposes you know how to read. That's why there's nothing, you know, spattered throughout the book on, you know, tips and tricks on how to read through this book. <laughs> they, they presuppose that you know how to read. So heterosexuality, again, is presupposed, and you can see that in the language of Scripture, and yet there are several places in Scripture that absolutely address the issue. So Leviticus 18.22, do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is Detestable. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. First Corinthians six nine. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? So do wrong, and you're not in the kingdom. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, commit adultery, male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality. Okay, that's the NLT. It's very clear. Homosexuality? That's wrong. It's a sin that will keep you out of the kingdom of God. Right? So is adultery. Right? So is idol worship. So, I mean, there's, there's yeah, there's others, but it very clearly defines it. 1 Timothy 1, 10 and 11, the law is for people who are sexually immoral, who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. These things are contrary to the gospel, the good news. Okay? Jude 7. 
In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Now, you know, you can make the argument, well, the perversion was that they were trying to, you know, force themselves on people. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll throw Jude 7 and say that that's ambiguous. <laughs> okay, if you want to. But put together with the rest of the scriptures, it's very clear. Okay? It's very clear. Uh, Romans 1, 24-27. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Now, sexual impurity. Impurity. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones, right? So the Bible, again, shows that natural and unnatural. It's unnatural, okay? In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were aflamed or inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Okay. Um, the the Bible clearly shows it's it's impurity, it's shameful, it's perverted. Now, again, right? These this is what Scripture says. So you may or may not um, adhere to Scripture. You may have well, what about this? What about that? Podcast at redbreakers.com. You can certainly, you know, ask questions or whatnot. But the Scripture is very clear. Scripture is very clear, right? These things are sin. Now, can you say, well, yeah, those things are sin too. That's right, yes. Could you say things like, um, <clears throat> well, 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 yeah, but, uh, well, the church has permitted other things. Absolutely. What an indictment on the church, okay? Um, it, it's, it's just, <laughs> that's not an argument, though. Right? That's not an argument. Well, the church is loose on these other things. That just means they need to tighten up on across the board then. Okay? Now, let's let's give an example. Let's give an example and put a modern spin on it, and then we'll, we'll try to wrap this up. Um, I want you to put on your, your thinking caps for a minute. And let's, let's think about Romans. I'm not Romans. 1 Corinthians 5. Right? Where Paul talks about that guy who uh, has his father's wife, and he says, you guys are puffed up, you're not doing anything about this, instead of mourning and being ashamed, and you guys are rather, you know, taking pride in what's going on. Well, let's put a modern spin on that, though. Oh, come on, Paul. Shouldn't love win? They're not hurting anybody. Shouldn't they be able to experience true love? I mean, she's stuck in a loveless relationship. She's denying her true self. You know, he, he, was, he, he was born this way, she was born this way, and they love each other. You know, why should they deny their true selves, Paul? Shouldn't love win at the end of the day? They have found love together. And here you are, an evil, wicked bigot, waving a Bible, trying to tell us that this is not right. Right? 
They're stuck in unloving relationships, Paul, and now they've found each other. They have found true love. And we don't want, we want to affirm them. We don't want to deny them. They're not hurting anybody. So what's wrong with you, Paul? Love wins. You, the bigot, lose. Come on. You can, you can see that in a modern society, modern spin. You can see exactly how that would unfold. And I propose what, what we are seeing, what, what happens, is we then start to eliminate the ability of people to be freed. Of people, even if, again, even if, it's, even if you don't believe in God, people freed from the turmoil of living a life that is counter and contrary to nature. Okay? The psychological and physical turmoil that that actually presents. But obviously, God is real. God is sovereign. The Bible is true. There's a spiritual aspect here that is even far above the mental and the, and the physical. And we are denying people, we are denying people the opportunity, the opportunity to come to Christ and to be freed by his power. And I would say this, what we should take pride in is our God and the perfection of his ideal the family coming together. We should take pride in a church that loves and that is there for people and that won't leave people to die in their sins and be tormented. Some of these people in some of these testimonies on YouTube showing pictures of the family they now have, of of children they've had, of days like their wedding day and things like that, that they've, they've experienced now that they have come to Christ and he delivered them and helped them and helped them be free. We are help—let's take pride in the fact that there are moments like that. Now, are, are you calling all these people liars? They, they, they weren't real—I mean, of course not. That's ridiculous. Um, these people <clears throat> have every right— to have every bit of feeling that anybody else does. And look, they're saying they were tormented, even being affirmed, right? Even in a affirming church, they, they realized and recognized that they were away from God, that something wasn't right, and here they are. Wow. I want to end with one final testimony and leave you with one last voice proclaiming the power of God in which we should take, indeed, the utmost pride. My name is Angel Cologne. I am a former homosexual. I am a survivor of the Pulse nightclub shooting on June 12, 2016. I was shot six times, sustained a shattered femur, and suffered nerve damage. A day I will never forget a big turning point in my life. Even in the midst of chaos, I prayed and prophesied over my life that I would survive and live free, and here I am today. Amen. Standing with no cane here in the Capitol with my changed family. Many think I've made my decision to leave the LGBT community lifestyle because of the shooting but I was desiring change way before June 12, 2016. Going through this horrible tragedy 
made me make the biggest decision in my life, which I'm very happy with. I've made this, this, this decision a year after Pulse nightclub shooting, finding what was the most important thing in my life, which was finding my true identity, which was in Christ. Amen. And today I stand here in the Capitol, sharing to the world that change is possible. Yes, I am known as a Pulse survivor, but I really want to be known as living proof that God does transform lives.